Another passing of a legend in WWE. Why does their programming have to be so complicated? And SummerSlam's greatest performers. It's the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. tell you the greatest spectacle of the summer or the biggest party of the summer or blockbuster or whatever you want to call it even though that's the name of a wrestling move and a defunct video store plus there was a dance with buff bagwell anyway the point is this is the double turn wrestling podcast boss ross and the j-man we have a ton of news as always it's not a debut of a segment we have renamed a segment this rebrand week. it's a rebrand i guess whatever you want to call I that just, plus it, I don't know. plus of course uh, three count and like i prefaced before a top five that is SummerSlam based because SummerSlam right around the corner we've got an update of the cards we've also got a g1 update i said i was going to have a moment of impact i it, it, it may be 30 seconds this week that's all i'm going to tell play, you fair play j man what's going on brother my dude i'm 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 tired it's been a really long week but i'm just happy to be in the studio with you kicking back drinking a couple cokes having a good time talking baseball that sounds wild you know us we, yes we're party people i i guess that's not a that's not the case at all <laughs> No, no, no. I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm boring still and and you're not as boring as I am. I wasn't gonna insinuate that at all. Actually. Oh fair thank you. I I was just saying that you and I have, have much different lives. Well yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. You have a family and I don't. Not that I don't have a family that cares about me, it's just that you have your own uh, like I'm, you have a wife and children, yeah, I don't. Exactly. No, no. So. It's just been a really long week at work and stuff like that. You had your long weeks at work. I'm sure you had a very long week work week this week. Thursdays are always crazy yeah, for me. So exactly. that that being said, um here is here's here's what I want to start with because yeah. I feel like this needs to pretty much lead the show tonight. Absolutely. It's big news. It is big news. We had another passing of a true legend. I actually have a story I want to tell uh, with it, um, but I'm I'm going to get through this. Uh, Harley Race has passed. Um, Of course, there were so many kind words said by basically everybody that's either ever known him or known of him or just whether you're in the wrestling business or not. Um, Harley Race is one of those names that um, is synonymous with wrestling. Yes. And I mean that in the fact of the history of wrestling. I mean that in the fact of when you list off the pioneers of this sport, this business uh, that we're doing a podcast of that so many of you love uh, and have grown up with mm-hmm. and have had the opportunity to um, experience and enjoy at live events and on TV and with everything that goes with the pageantry of wrestling, uh, Harley races up there with those names. Absolutely. He was dominant during the 70s and the 80s. He was synonymous with Ric Flair. And, um, if, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that Harley Race went into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2004. I don't remember offhand, I but believe, I know he is in it. Yeah, he's definitely so. in the Hall of Fame. I believe, yes, it was a 2004 class because I'll never forget it. MSG, WrestleMania 20. It was Harley Race. It was Jesse Ventura, the Junkyard Dog. All those guys went into the Hall of Fame at the same time. And then okay. the next year is when Hogan went into the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, um, great, 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 great one of the GOATs. There's a reason why uh, people like Ric Flair, Sting, uh, Hogan, yep, 
um, Savage when he was still with us. Yep, Mace Rose. Um, and basically everybody else in the business uh, that talks about uh, certain statures of wrestlers and where they are, not necessarily in the pecking order, but just in the history. Yeah. Um, it's why the name Harley Race is brought up so much. It is. Uh, I will tell my very brief story. Um, not this last time WrestleMania was in New York, but the time before. So that would be, what, 13? Uh, WrestleMania 29, 2013. 2013. Yes. Uh, I took the voyage to New York, to MetLife Stadium. I was with my, I was with my friend Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his father was there. Uh, it was one of the two trips that I took with both of them. Uh, he has now passed. Ben's father has now passed. And uh, I speak very fondly of him and those trips because of the memories we had. So uh, Access that year was at the IZOD Center, which New was Jersey. still in New Jersey. Yes. Correct. I believe that was one of the last years the New Jersey Nets were still a thing. Yeah, because I think they moved to Brooklyn in like 14. There you go. Yeah. So, and maybe they had already moved, but the IZOD Center was still there. Regardless, um, that's where the access was. <laughs> and I actually got to meet Harley Race. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, he was doing a little autograph session, and we took photos. And I'm pretty sure there's a photo of me shaking his hand, probably on my Facebook page somewhere. Um, I'll actually have to dig that up to make sure that's who, that's where it is, because I'm pretty sure that's what it is. If it is, please send it to me. I'll be happy to put it on the IG page. I will. Yeah. Uh, I was a lot thinner back then, <laughs> but well, you were you were playing a bunch of basketball back then too. That's true. Yeah, that was that was pre back injury. Yeah. Uh, th- the point is, I've had the privilege of meeting the man, even if it was for ten seconds. It's an honor. Uh, I felt very honored, very privileged to just tell him thank you. I feel that because. Whether it's, you know, a sports figure or wrestling or just, you know, regular everyday people just doing their job, whether it's for entertainment or they're doing their job. Yep. And just going up and just, you know, either having a cool story that reminded you of them mm-hmm. or just saying, hey, like, I saw a match with you the other day and it, you know, it was, it was really great to see you perform. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so about. even in those 10 seconds, I, I, it, it was just, it was just a privilege. Yeah. And you don't think about it at the time because you're like, I just met Harley Race, and I'm a wrestling fan, and that's a big deal. Right. And then you look back on it years later, and I'm like, I got to meet Harley Race. Not everybody gets to say that. I feel that. And so on top of everything else with my memories of that trip and everything else, I can say uh, that I got to meet and shake Harley Race's hand, and I'll never forget that. That's a beautiful thing, man. So Harley Race uh, passes away at the age of 76. May he rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers, of course, to his family. By the way, shout out to your boy, Ben. Shout out to your boy, Ben, and shout out to his dad. May he rest in peace as well, because obviously he took he took the time to go ahead and be with you guys and spend the time with you before he passed afterwards and whatnot, and that's always a beautiful thing. So shout out to him, too. He also posted a picture uh, with uh, the three of them in the picture, him, his father, and Harley, Harley. Race, talking about the memory. That's awesome. And so we reminisce about For those sure. good times, and it was not that long ago. It wasn't, so. it, and it's unfortunate that this is another legend that we pa- that we have have had passed. We, you know, we lost Mean Gene a few months back. Um, I think uh, just earlier this week was the anniversary of Roddy's uh, uh, of Roddy Rowdy Piper's um, passing. Indeed, um, Dustin Rhodes. Uh, it hit uh, Dusty Rhodes. Excuse me. Yes, Dustin Rhodes very much still with us. Yes, amen to that. Yes. Amen to that. But Dusty, his dad, Cody's dad. Uh, I think passed. Was it twenty fourteen? No, it was 2015, actually. 
was 2015 because I think he passed like a month and a half prior to Rowdy Roddy. There you go. Um, so, anyways, it's just it, it stinks, but it is life, you know. And and all we can do is just appreciate what these men and women um, have brought to us by this wonderful sports entertainment business called professional wrestling. Harley Race died at the age of 76. Yep. In uh, Troy, Missouri. He is from the Missouri area. So you know what? Episode 61 dedicated to Harley Race tonight. There Let's it is. That. Boom. There it is. Harley Race, may you rest in peace, sir. And uh, if we had a 10-bell salute, I'd give it to you. But Damn right. But just us talking about it, uh, it was an honor and a privilege to uh, to have met him. Yep. And, uh, again, we, we just pay tribute to uh, what Harley Race is. I'm looking so. forward to that 10-bell salute on Monday night because you know for a fact they're going to do a 10-bell salute on Monday and Tuesday on SmackDown and Raw, because as they should. And he was still very well intertwined into the WWE family, so it's beautiful. But let's uh, let's keep going with news, man. All right, so um, I know this is not like breaking news, but it is news to us and this show because we do broadcast from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, buddy, get in there, bro. Monday Night Raw is coming to uh, Phoenix on September the 30th. We are looking forward to that. Hopefully we can make it. We were at the Monday Night Raw after the Rumble. We were at the Royal Rumble. We were. So it uh, is the plan for us to go. Uh, We will see what we can do. It is... A month and a half away, so and it's going to be a huge week for WWE as well as professional wrestling as a whole. September thirtieth, market calendars is not only Monday Night Raw here in Phoenix; um, it is the debut of WWE SmackDown on Fox uh, that Friday. They're emanating from Los Angeles at the Staples Center, and of course, as we discussed last week, AEW's return to TNT is happening that Wednesday, October the second. Their show is going to be emanating live from the uh, MCI Center in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our beautiful nation's capital, of course. Uh, I mean, that's going to be one of the biggest weeks in professional wrestling in a long time, a huge long time. And then we get to just be a little bit of a a, a little spickle of stardust, if you will, within the entire galaxy of professional wrestling, if we even get the chance of going to Monday Night Raw, because you know that they're going to be promoting the hell out of SmackDown being on SmackDown that week. Um, SmackDown being on SmackDown. SmackDown being on Fox <laughs> that week, obviously. And, of course, you you shouldn't be surprised if you see major things coming out of that week in WWE, um, especially on SmackDown, because, of course, AEW will be on the air later in the middle of the week. So that's going to be a huge, huge time if you're a professional wrestling fan. Ross and I are very, very much looking forward to it. No doubt. So, again, uh, if we can go... We will, and and we'll at least enjoy it for what it is. Absolutely. So. It'll be buzzing. It always is. Uh, so I guess I will save this. Yes, I will save that. So I do have a G1 update coming up. I will do that. Um, quick bits, real quick. The Big Show's doing a show on Netflix. Yeah. Hopefully it's as entertaining as uh, Knucklehead. The movie he did for WWE films, I actually enjoyed that movie. Yeah, so as, as bad as it was. Yeah, um, from what I understand, the Netflix uh, thing is a it's a it's um, a joint venture between Netflix and WWE Studios. Okay, um, it's supposed to be a comedy show. I don't know if it's a sitcom or not. It might be. Um, I think that it. Listen, let me tell you something. If you've been a big a fan of the Big Show since his days in WCW and then his early days in the WWF, um, transitioning to WWE, of course. Big Show is not is, is he's a very 
I want to say Big Show is underrated, to be honest with you. He really is. Of course, we all know how great he is in the ring. He's seven foot, 450 plus pounds. Mm -hmm. The guy is amazing. The guy is willing to put over anybody and everybody whenever given the, the, the ability to. His promos, I think one of the most underrated things about the Big Show is his promo ability. Uh, his acting ability uh, in, in, as a whole, honestly. Um, the it, Let me tell you something. It's incredibly hard to cry on cue. And Big Show does it the easiest thing in the world. He really does. That that takes a certain talent. I'll never forget his run against the Authority in 2013. His acting chops were at their all-time best in pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, he's he's fantastic. And it's nice to see him doing new ventures outside of professional wrestling because he's definitely up there in age. I think he's in his mid-40s at this point, and his body has really turned his back on, turned its back on him over the last few years. But at the same time, he's a certain size, and that just comes with the territory when you're seven foot tall. Four, I think he's gotten down his weight to about, what, like four, I don't know. 420 right around he's there? He's still a large man. He's still a very large man, but uh, nice to see Big Show doing big things right now. Indeed. Uh, if you were wondering why Charlie Caruso has not been on television, she's been doing her thing on uh, First Take. Yep. So uh, she's been hanging out with, uh, well, if you want to call it the greatness that is Max Kellerman, she's been hanging out with him along Stephen with a. Stephen A. And along with some other people on that network yep. that I'm not a big fan of, but that is what it is. All good. Uh, yeah, it seems like Molly Karam has just been out on vacation with Jalen and all that good stuff, and Charlie Caruso has been filling in. This is great for Charlie. Way more exposure besides WWE. I'm, She's very talented. I'm sure this is what uh, Renee Young uh, was considering doing at one point before they decided to put her on uh, in the uh, booth. Renee Young would have been fire at this uh, at this stuff, too. So, I mean, good for good for Charlie. Good for there Charlie killing the game. And, and actually, it gives your girl Kayla Braxton way more exposure that's on true, Raw SmackDown. That's true, because she's been on both shows. That's she right. She has. So, pulling pull in double duty. Yeah. So, uh, good for her. Oh, uh, so I was going to save it. Basically, here's my 30 seconds of Impact. Uh, Impact has a new signing. For those of you that do not know what uh, or uh, who Tennille Dashwood is, that would be the artist formerly known as Emma from yep. WWE. She has signed with Impact Wrestling. Huge move. Uh, she will fit in absolutely wonderfully with the women's division in Impact. Uh, I will tell you right now that uh, their division is about stacked. as deep as it gets. It is stacked. Uh, when it comes to the Tessa Blanchards of the division, uh, Madison Rain, you've got Kiara Hogan, you've got Taya Valkyrie, you've got Rosemary, you've got... Uh, it, I it goes go on. on. Listen, so, it, it, we all talk about the WWE's women's division and mm -hmm. how deep it is, including NXT, which it is, by the way. It is deep. If there's one women's division in all of professional wrestling right now that could go ahead and give WWE, WWE almost a run for its money, it would be Impact. True story. It's just a fact. So it's a great signing for them. Um, Emma kind of had a weird stint in WWE. In WWE, yes. She was great in NXT. Where she had the weird dancing gimmick for mm -hmm. a while. Mm -hmm. um, then she turned heel and was starting to really get that over. Um, and then was that when she had the shoplifting incident or was that before was she before. turned heel? Okay. Yeah. So she had the shoplifting incident. Then she came back as a heel. And she hurt her back. And she hurt her back. Um, everybody forgets that uh, her and Paige actually had a couple of really good matches back in their really heyday with NXT. NXT yep. Um, so that was the whole 
um, gimmick for her was that you know it's all Actually, about me and yeah. that type of stuff. And so. even when she went ahead and turned heel, when Asuka got called up to the main roster, her and Emma and, and Asuka had some pretty fire mat- matches on the main roster too. Yes, they did. Yeah. They did. Uh, so she is a talent. Definitely. Uh, and again, with a show that is focusing on the wrestling side of things, not saying WWE isn't, but when you look at Impact Wrestling, they look for more wrestling-centric uh, storylines yes and what they are focusing on with their television and their less pay-per-views uh she will fit in very well and i wish her nothing but the best we both do um because impact getting more talent with the rise of aew and of course with wwe still being the powerhouse if impact can put itself at a spot to where they can be a third tiered company or the third brand kind of company. Agreed. Uh, they will still get a lot of talent coming their way. Yes, they will. So. They are in the midst of a, I would have to say that impact. I mean, of course you want, you always want to go ahead and put yourself as high as possible. Right. But if you're being realistic, they need to go ahead and make sure that they are beating out NJPW because that is their main competition at the moment because obviously All Elite Wrestling has surpassed them as the number two and then WWE is WWE um, and they just can't match that right now so if they can concentrate on just making sure that NJPW they're staying ahead of them and that they're staying ahead of Ring of Honor and uh, those other independent uh, scenes right now I think they'll be just fine. All right, it's G1 update time, as uh, as I do every week now. New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 29. Here's your standings update, by the way, because we've had a few more days of wrestling. The A block, Okada has a commanding four-point lead over Kenta, Ibushi, and Tanahashi. I am pleased to uh, announce that Zack Sabre Jr. is on the board with four points. So he did pick up some points this week and... He is not in last place this week uh, on the A side. On the B side, John Moxley is still in first place as he has 10 points Mox. with an even bigger log jam. Juice Robinson, Ishii, Yano, Naito, Goto, Cobb, and Jay White all have six points. Wow. It's amazing. That is one stacked bracket right there. It's true. Holy smokies. It's true. Uh, so, again, this tournament ends on August the 12th. Uh, so we only have not that much time left. Less than two weeks. It's true. It's, uh, hell, actually, it ends right after SummerSlam. Day after SummerSlam is when it's ending. There it is. So again, uh, as I mentioned before, how the uh, G1 works is it's round robin, A side and the B side. Whoever has the most points, they face each other, and then they have one match, and then you are the G1 champion. Yeah, it's very similar to the actual setup of the World Cup. And if there's any tiebreakers, it's head-to-head. Very simple. I really wish WWE would, like, copy this immediately. Yes. In fact, I wish every company would do tournaments as simply and as perfectly as this tournament is. It's because... It's not that hard. You know, that's become a staple of this podcast, you saying it's not that it's hard. True. It's All true. All right, so uh, matches to look forward to this week. Uh, here's what I will tell you. Tanahashi and Ibushi are wrestling each other. That's that going to be fire, fire mm-hmm. right? By the way, I am not saying... All these matches aren't going to be good because they probably will be. Yeah. Because it's New Japan. Yeah. And they wouldn't put these people in this tournament if they weren't good. Absolutely. Um. Let's see here. Uh, John Moxley and Jay White. They get are wrestling in on there. Sunday. So, uh, on if you're now. a fan of either of those two, you will get that. Right. And uh, I don't know. There's another little small match here. Hit me with it's, it, Roswell. Uh, it's uh, Ibushi versus Zack Saber Jr. Get in there, Roswell. 
Pro wrestling at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. uh, So Tanahashi and Ibushi, that's on Saturday. Uh, Moxley and White is on Sunday. And then uh, Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. uh, is uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, we got a pretty stacked week of wrestling coming up. Not just in G1, just all over the place. And then uh, it's on the 8th, the 10th, and the 11th. And then we'll have the finals on the 12th. And we'll be done. All right. Oh, and by the way, real quick, I just remembered to mention this. It's not really a huge deal, but there's been another match announced for the first ever episode of AEW on TNT. Um, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and and, uh, partners of his choosing. Yes. Uh, So thank you for reminding me of that because they announced the first match, which was uh, Cody versus uh, Sammy Sammy Guevara. Guevara. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it, is, is it Guevara or Guevara? I think it's Guevara, actually. Okay. I apologize that I mispronounced that. Uh, so the speculation is, who will Jericho's partners be? Uh, I've been told it could be anybody from uh, SoCal Uncensored to a debuting tag team to... Could be Sean Spears and somebody else? Yes. Yeah. Um. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Sean Spears is Ty Dillinger of WWE fame and uh, Peyton Royce's Husband now. There you go. They did get married recently. Shout out to Peyton Royce and Sean Spears. Uh, so I mentioned this because it is speculation. You know how I feel about speculation, but it is what it is. Have we found out an update about uh, what LAX is doing? Not yet. Okay. I get nothing. Not saying they're going to be the team, but that's an interesting name that's out there that I don't remember where they've signed right There's now. That's why I There's a huge Latin contingency out in the Northeast, as we all know. Washington, D.C., New York area, Boston area. They come out at AEW's first episode in Washington, D.C., MCI Center will break. I can guarantee you. Not just because of them being Latinos and there being a huge Latin community out there, but just they're one of the biggest free agents on the market today. There's going to be a huge mark out in D.C., I'll tell you that right now. Indeed. So um, it could be anybody. They are teasing that. Yep. Um, of course, Chris Jericho's next uh, big match is uh, for the inaugural AEW championship oh my against uh, Hangman Page. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Not saying anything else he doesn't do is important because it is. I'm saying yeah. that's the next like big, big, big humongous thing that's gonna be a huge listen you it's gonna be a huge thing to go ahead and put on his resume so uh let's do a SummerSlam update before we do our top five because it is SummerSlam related go ahead and mention the two couple of not not small rumors they're actually relatively huge rumors that are making the round yes so we will do that before our top five so that is our new section of the week um longer than I thought but that's okay because we had a lot to cover so that's how it is it is that time in the show one of our favorite segments of the week. Get in there, Ross. Talk to me. Oh, I figured you were going to do the sounder. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ahem. Everybody's down for the three count. I can't get you out of my heart. I knew we were in trouble right from the start. You should have played it smart. But I can't get you out of my heart. Three count. It's three count time. <laughs> Take that. Three count. Uh, a a horrible wrestling feud. By the way, I'm pretty sure you broke your mic over there. Next time, laugh further away from the mic. Three count. I a terrible stable I... in world championship wrestling. But it, on this podcast, it is the three most important things in the wrestling business to us. Yes. I realize that it is mostly WWE centric. Of course, that's probably going to change once AEW 
starts coming around once maybe I get you into watching Impact more. I don't know. I I mean I don't have cable, but I do have Hulu. I think it's I think Impact is on Hulu. I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, but here I, I'm I'm just telling you that uh, you and everybody else that gave up on it should give it a shot again. No, no. I it's I, also I, at a weird time in the week because it airs on Fridays. Right, and then SmackDown's going to be on Fridays too, so that's going to be real tricky. Which means our podcast schedule may actually be changing. That is potentially um, the case. But we can talk about that at another time because That's there a, are lots of things we have to discuss. That when is it correct. Comes to that this is a production podcast. meeting that will be taking place behind the scenes. Probably over food. Uh, probably at Compound the J Man. Which I have not been to the new uh, Compound the J Man, and I got scolded for it the other day via text message. So, it's, well, I'm just calling you out. Your Look, best friend has told you nine times. Maybe I wanted a proper invite. House. Maybe I, you know. Look, here's the thing. Okay, time out, <laughs> side note for 30 seconds. We now watch pay-per-views at this studio yes. to make sure we can have the post-show right after the pay-per-view to make sure we have our analysis that's fresh and therefore after. That is correct. Now, t- to be clear, we also recorded the shows from my house on the phone, and we would get them brought up. But again, it's there all about There were children quality. crying on those shows as well. This so. is true. This is true. The point is that most of the options that I've had to go over to your house are it's, kind it's, of null and voided because, yeah. of the, because of our setup now. It's it, not that I don't want to come see what I you know. know. Plus, you live like an hour closer to me now, which is great. You, I'm, I think we're about 10 minutes apart. Look, I'm just glad I don't have to drive to your house and smell horses or cows or both. Hey, that's pe- all I'm going to say. Pizza and burgers and burritos and my wife's wonderful cooking was always waiting for you with a Pepsi. Indubitable. Yes. Yes. All right. Three count time. As I said, three most important things in the wrestling business to us this week. Yep. Would you like me to go first? Uh, did I? I think I went first last week. So go for it. All right. So. I call myself the heel of this podcast. I often complain about things on this podcast a lot more than you do because you are the optimist of the group, whereas I'm jaded and cynical. (laughs) That's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that. I would just make a much better heel, whereas if you tried to be heel, I would would probably cheer you because I don't want to get you over because as a heel, you should be booed. (laughs) See my logic there? If you were a heel, I'd be like, yeah, just turn baby face again. Fair play. I'm just saying. Whereas heels are supposed to. See, I would be the Baron Corbin of this show. Yes, you would. I would be the person that would get heat but not go away heat. Yeah. Exactly. All right. The Revival also getting booed correctly Thank as they should. Thank God for the Revival. Okay, so I will start there, actually. So, for those of you that were wondering if World Wrestling Entertainment was going to counter-program the thing that the guys on the other show are doing that don't have television right those, now you mean the guys on turner network television that's well those that, guys. well it's starting in october right. they're not on turner television right now that's correct the, the ones who have not had their series premiere correct yes. so if you thought that they weren't going to counter program you would be wrong that's very evident by the fact that they're taking tag team wrestling seriously again let me just tell you this right now. I've always hated the phrase, make America great again, but I'm just going to say it right now. Make tag team wrestling great again. Thank you very much. Continue with All the right. three count. So let me tell you something. Okay, For weeks, weeks, you and I have talked on this show about how much talent 
there is in the wrestling business. Yes, let alone the WWE. When it comes to tag team wrestling. Absolutely. We've also talked on this show about how there were pay-per-views in this very company that were headlined by tag team wrestling. Main events were tag team wrestling at one point. Yes. Okay. I have begged. I have pleaded. Yes. For this company. To take tag team wrestling seriously. Roswell, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say they they have responded. All right. Now, I've been very critical of the New Day. Very. I've been very critical of Babyface Usos. Yes, you have. I've been very critical of the booking of the Revival. <laughs> yes. I've been very critical of whatever nonsense the Viking Raiders are because they changed their name three times and all they've done is have squash matches and not wrestled anyone credibly. Right. I've I've gone to town on Hawkins and Ryder. However, here's what I will tell you. Unlike the women's tag team division, <laughs> Don't get which is a whole other story, right? Uh, yeah. It's a whole other story. At least I can tell you with a straight face that on... Pretty much in WWE in general. Maybe not. Maybe the maybe the tides have shifted to where now it's a little more serious on Raw these days. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's the wild card rule, so everybody shows up on every show. But the mm-hmm. point is, when you have the Usos and you have the new. Oh, please don't get me started about about how the club were booked into oblivion for two years at the expense of New Day breaking Demolition's record. Anyway, this division. Tag team division on both shows, Raw and SmackDown. And NXT. And NXT. If this is the direction we're going with this, please give us more of this every single week. Absolutely. By the way, Fandango came back on NXT television to yes. help out Tyler Breeze. Fashion Police is back in business. Yes. That actually was going to be in my three count, but it's okay. No, no. It's okay. It's not a spoiler because I changed my mind anyway. Fandango and Tyler Breeze being a tag team immediately. Absolutely. I don't even care if they're the fashion police again. Just do it. They're fine. Yeah. When they get serious, they're awesome. By the way, also, uh, we have new tag team champions yeah, that we were sure crowned do. this week. Yes. Uh, the OC uh, won their match. Good brothers. That shirt is coming in the mail. I'm sporting my new uh, yellow Undisputed Era shirt. Love it. It looks great. It's awesome. I love it. It's got that. It's got that softer feel. It's like that. It's like the ten percent polyester shirt or whatever it is. The hell a little are we easier. I mean, what, what is this? No, what I'm saying is it's easier on stains. It's lightweight. It's great. It's, I don't feel like I'm wearing cardboard. Exactly, and not to mention, if you were to actually drop mustard on yourself on accident, it would go ahead and match. Look, if you were to order Sonoran dogs, like I ask, then don't I would have mad. more of them. Okay, first of all, <laughs> to, to our homies out in Tucson who know exactly what the heck we're talking about, and to the peeps that listen to us in Phoenix who are smart enough to go to this place because it's the best Mexican place in the state. It's not my fault that Guero Canelo has been closing at 4 o'clock every day this summer, and they're only open until 8 on a Saturday. By the way, in Tucson, they open their regular hours, and they're open till like midnight. So don't get mad at me because GC is screwing us over. Not to mention, I brought us GC for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, so holler at your boy. Carry on with your three count. Sorry. Step your game up, Guero Canelo. Okay, so <laughs> the entire point of this is if you're going to give me a match on Monday Night Raw with three of the best teams in your company, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to do a title change that makes sense because now you have one group with all the belts. Why haven't they done this with Undisputed Era yet? I'm so upset at NXT right now at times. In fact, I need to have a sit down with Regal. We need to fix this immediately. 
a sit down with Regal with uh, with Trips. Look, no, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me back up again because we're still on my uh, we're still on my one here. I'm gonna have a sit down meeting with Regal. Yeah. Then we're gonna have a side meeting to prepare ourselves with the meeting for your boy Triple H. And then we're going to have another pre-meeting to then set up a meeting with Vince McMahon. But Vince McMahon doesn't have any... Look, this is this important. We need to get him involved. Fair play. All right, fair because enough. Because this is, a third is branch absurd. Of his <laughs> it's, it's baloney. It's, in the words of, of your boy, JTH, it's bullshiggity. It's true. For those of you that don't know, my boy, JTH, is James T. Harris, the show that I produce for. For uh, 550 KFYI in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Conservative so. service. It's true. Yeah. That is the show that I work for. Uh, so, tag team wrestling being back and uh, being a direct counter programming to what AEW is doing and the greatness that they have, that is my number one for the week. Fair play. By the way, that was a little bit longer than usual, but I love it. And that was my fault. A lot of it was my fault, so I apologize. Like, I didn't mean that in a bad way. Kind of like 90% your fault. Fair play. Most of the stuff that goes wrong on this podcast is your fault anyway, so I'm willing to take the blame for it as this one the, time. As the, uh, wait, am I the am I the creative director of the show? or yeah, the Yes. Uh, uh, okay. I'm, I'm the executive producer. Yes. So as the creative director of the show, uh, perhaps I will threaten to fire you again. <laughs> as the executive producer of the show, I will... Tell you my one. Okay. <laughs> and uh, also get very upset with you and call your name after the show ends. Um, <laughs> all right. <sighs> Breathe. We're in. Number one for me, Kevin Owens. And the fact that he is so ridiculously over right now. And I love every, every, every single bit of it. I love it. Kevin Owens. Okay. He cuts a great promo. Every single week, he's dropping pipe bombs. Stop at the comparisons of CM Punk and, and, and Kevin Owens for a second, guys, because Kevin Owens is becoming his own man. Okay? That's the best compliment that you can give Kevin Owens. Stone Cold, Stone Cold said it best earlier this week on, on an interview. He said, don't call Kevin Owens the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. Kevin Owens is the, next, is the one and only Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens has a lot of backers all over the place, and for good reason. Why? Because he's amazing. Stone Cold. Huge supporter of Kevin Owens. The Rock, huge supporter of Kevin Owens. Triple H, obviously, there's a multitude. There's like a, there's like a section of like six rec, six or seven wrestlers all around WWE and NXT that are Triple H guys. Kevin Owens is one of those guys. Seth Rollins is one of those guys. Balor is one of those guys. Pete Dunne is one of those guys. Cole is one of those guys. Those five guys right there. Those are the future of this of this company. Um. And Kevin Owens is in there with the best of them. Why? Because he can cut a promo like nobody else can in the company. And then for a guy who's 270 pounds and he's... Okay, let's be honest here. Kevin Owens is not sto- is not stocky like Roman Reigns. Is not uh, Excuse me, not stocky. He's not built like Roman Reigns. He's not built like The Rock. He's not built like Stone Cold. He's not built like Triple H. Kevin Owens is this guy that has this belly, right? And he's got this bushy beard... And then he's jumping off the top rope with one of the best frog splashes you're ever going to see. He does a swanton like... I don't care. I'll say it. It's better than Jeff Hardy's. Damn right it is. And then his stunner is awesome. He got the blessing from from Stone Cold to do that. And his pop-up powerbomb... Let me get this straight. Kevin Owens... Now, granted, the great thing about the pop-up powerbomb is it takes two people to make this work. Mark Henry, he was actually able to pop up powerbomb Mark Henry. Mark Henry's 400 pounds, and they still made it work. 
I love the fact that he was able to pop up powerbomb this week, Drew McIntyre, who's six foot seven and apparently has the freaking he can get air with the best of them, apparently. Like, if he played in the NBA, he'd apparently be very successful because the man can jump. But it, everything that Kevin Owens does is gold. And Ross, I cannot believe I'm going to tell you this right now. Today is August the 1st, right? We are uh, August, September, October, November, December, January. We're six, six and a half months away from the Royal Rumble. <sighs> Kevin Owens is the favorite. Kevin Owens is the favorite to win the Royal Rumble to me right now. Oh, uh, no. The the favorite to win the Royal Bumble is... The Royal Bumble? Uh, yes. That. <laughs> that's how it, that's yes. how I know that where this is going is going to be probably... Oh, uh, no. The, the, the favorites to win the Royal Rumble are... Rock Lesnar and Best in the World... Shut up. Shut up. Shane McMahon! Okay, first of all... I, WWE, I give yes. this man a job that's across from me. Give this man a job. His intro of the best in the world, Shane McMahon, is up there with our boys Mike Rome and Greg Hamilton. Shout out to them because they are fantastic at I their believe jobs. Greg Hamilton's is better. Yes, because again, like we discussed a couple of weeks ago, Greg Hamilton lowers the octave, but shout out to Mike Rome because he hits the high notes on that. Mm-hmm. He just can't hold it as long as Hamilton can. Hamilton also has better fashion sense. Let's be honest. He's got you the wingtip shoes. His, but you hated his brown shoes. Look, brown shoes need to go with brown pants. Sorry. Okay, that's fair. Otherwise, the, the, the whole point the whole point of this conversation is Greg Hamilton and Mike Rome are both awesome. Yes. I love them both. There I think they're great WWE announcers. And uh yeah, no, I, I genuinely think that Kevin Owens is one of the favorites to win the twenty twenty Royal Rumble. Probably. He's my favorite. And uh I his storyline with Shane McMahon is fantastic right now. I'm looking forward to seeing Kevin Owens whoop Shane McMahon's ass all over Toronto. There it is. All right. Uh, time for me to get, uh, well, not on my soapbox, but I will have a small complaint for my number two this week. All right. So I'm a big stickler when it comes to, all right, everybody knows the match that we need to see. Um, there's a lot of matches that okay. we need to see, but which one are you talking about in particular? I'm just talking in general, just to start. Okay. okay. If there is a match that you know absolutely has to happen at the next pay-per-view, and yet WWE goes out of their way to make you think that is not the match you're going to get, and then they give you the match you want to have. Why do I put that in that phrasing? Because Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins were always going to wrestle at this pay-per-view, and instead we had to have a gauntlet to decide who the number one contender was, and then we have to have another gauntlet for another match. Ricochet and AJ Styles. Look. Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins were going to face each other at SummerSlam. Yeah. Correct? That is, yeah. That's, that's been AJ known Styles for and Ricochet were going to face each other at SummerSlam. Why are we wasting time having gauntlet matches in which I know the outcome that has nothing to do with anything else other than putting six guys on TV? Which And the, the, the stupid thing about that is the fact that you gave us Ricochet and Andrade for free. On TV. Yes! Which is the dumbest thing you could have ever done. Not to mention, not to mention, we keep 
like y'all keep toying with us because you think, oh, Andrade and Rey Mysterio are great together. We're just going to give it to you whenever you want. Guys, that match is stupid special. Yes. Those two in the ring are stupid special. Stop toying with that rivalry. Carry so, on, sir. Now, I will be fair and say I have no problem if you want to say Ricochet has to wrestle somebody to win a match to become the number one contender to try to get his belt back. That's fine. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you Okay. I'll even say this, and I and I love the fact that you want to save Ricochet and Andrade for pay-per-view. Yeah. I get it. However, if you made it mean something on free television, I'd be about that life. If you want to have Ricochet and Andrade in a number one contenders match to see who faces AJ Styles yep. and Ricochet beats him clean, I'd perfect. be okay with that. If you give us okay. a 15-minute match between the two of them, I'd be happy Did with that. Did I need to see a gauntlet match? No, I oh, didn't. Especially with people who aren't gonna, who are definitely not gonna win. This is why when I teased WWE makes things more complicated for no reason. Mm-hmm. Now, some people may argue and say, "Well, Ross, I got to see a gauntlet match with a lot of really good people in it, and it was given a lot of time on Raw, and I had less time with a lot less malarkey on a bloated Monday Night Raw show." I have a That's rebuttal to fair. that. Yeah. At the same time, I want my wrestling to matter. I don't want you to throw something on a wall and then say, well, we gave you something different, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly. It, it's just please have things have a purpose. I get you. I, I, I feel you on that. And my rebuttal to that, because I agree with you, is you can say that they gave it time, but there's you gave the segment time, but each of the matches was less than five minutes long. And I'm sorry, I can't be able to get into something when it's less than five minutes. Now, the gauntlets that they did last year for the WWE Championship Elimination Chamber um, with Rollins, where Rollins won an hour with Cena against and against Reigns, remember that? That's okay because I just said it right there. Rollins won an hour versus Cena and Reigns. And then this year's gauntlet match with, with Kofi going like three or four deep in, I got into it. Why? Because they gave every match time. They gave... Daniel Bryan and um, Kofi Kingston, 10-plus minutes. They gave Kofi and Samoa Joe, like, nine minutes. And then they gave AJ Styles and Kofi, what, like, almost 10 minutes as well. And the only match that uh, was short was Randy coming in and RKO and AJ at the end of the match. So they gave that time, but they gave everything in between it time, whereas this gauntlet, they didn't give a lot of time to anything. So that's my two is WWE just – Give me something simple. That way, when you do more complicated things or more, you know, deep rooted things, there's actually setup for it, or you just save it instead of just saying, "Hey, let's just do something to put something exciting on television." That's my two. Fair play, sir. I like that. I have a little bit of a negative thing as well. And so last week, I had the not so great privilege of telling people that Jimmy Uso got arrested for a DUI. I bring this up for a multitude of reasons. Why? Because people shouldn't be drinking and driving. It's against the law. It's not good. You can get hurt or get killed. You can hurt somebody else or get them killed. WWE has this tendency to go ahead and let things fly under the radar whenever you are up in a quote-unquote hierarchy position and it's not just wwe it's just companies in general they always do this happens all the time right actors um in hollywood musicians um 
high 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 executives and places and stuff like that it happens all the time, right, Ross? Um, I don't give a damn. Frankly, I don't I don't give a damn how high up the Usos are are up the tag team title chain or I'm sorry, the tag team hierarchy in WWE. I don't care anymore. Why were the Usos in a tag team championship on Monday Night Raw? I don't even care that, oh, well, Jimmy Uso was the one that got pinned. Who gives three bleeps? Who cares? This man, for the second time in five months, got arrested for driving under the influence and had to be bailed yet again out of jail. He is not setting a good example for people who watch this product. He is a black eye to your company. Stop it. The same thing. By the way, guess what? I'm sick and tired of Jeff Hardy too. I'll I'll be the first one to tell you that. There was a report from a few weeks back that Jeff Hardy was found passed out over in North Carolina. Guess what, Jeff? Fix yourself, bro. You're out on freaking medical leave from a torn ACL. What the hell are you doing at a bar somewhere in North Carolina passing out? Shouldn't you be busy rehabbing your knee so you can get back in the ring with Matt? Get the hell out of here with that baloney. Jimmy, I'm serious, man. I'm so heated about this. When I saw that we were getting a triple threat match, when I saw Jimmy cutting the promo when he was coming out on Monday night, I was like, do they not give a damn about the safety of humanity at this point? I'm serious because it's just it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, oh, you're going to go ahead and get pulled over and get a D and get arrested for a DUI. Oh, OK, yeah, you'll be on TV this week. Jimmy Uso had no reason to be on TV this week. Jimmy Uso shouldn't be on TV for the next like month. And if that's going to screw over Jay, oh, well, then too damn bad. Maybe you should tell your twin brother to go ahead and stop drinking and driving. Maybe, maybe Naomi should go ahead and talk to her husband and tell him, hey, Probably a bad idea to get pulled over for your DUI. I'm just saying, I thought it was stupid on WWE's behalf. I'm not even going to get mad at Jimmy Uso because this was WWE's call. They said Usos are in the tag team title match against the Good Brothers and against the Revival. I don't care that the match was great because it was a triple threat match between the three best teams, three of the best teams in WWE. I don't care. I care about what's right. And it's not right that Jimmy Uso is still performing and being given a huge spotlight by World Wrestling Entertainment after he's doing stupid crap outside of the company because it's giving the company a bad name and it's he's he's putting himself and other people in danger and it's wrong step your game up i don't care that you're trying to revive the tag team division do it the right way and giving Jimmy Uso the spotlight is not the right way all right that was very heated And I love your passion. I'm going to take a slightly different approach. Okay. I'm going to say this once on this podcast, and I'm not referencing it because I don't like the word. I don't like when it's said. I don't like when it's said on this show. I'm just referencing what WWE is calling edgy for their programming, so I'm only going to say it once. Go for it. I am sick and tired of WWE thinking that they should just, on every show, use the word bitch. Okay. Now, I understand that we had one of the 
most endearing characters of all time call him or be called the toughest SOB in the business. You get it. Jim Ross for that. Yep. I get Now, also, it was a different time in wrestling. I am not saying that I am above WWE being edgy. Mm -hmm. I am not saying that WWE cannot be TV 14. I am not saying that they should not scrap a lot of what TVPG is. However, when you go out of your way to have, in this case, it's mostly the female performers that are using it, but I reference the fact of when, again, not saying it's his fault, but it just happened to be during this time, when Vince Russo showed up in TNA Wrestling, now known as Impact Wrestling, it's amazing what happens when certain terms and certain things are being called by certain people on Every show, it waters down the term. It waters down the actual impact of that being used. Okay? I don't even like when it's used on on the radio show I produce for, and it's been used. Yeah. And, I, and we love The Rock. We adore The Rock. And every single time The Rock comes on TV, he drops the B word every time. I know. And that's because Vince lets him say whatever the heck he wants because he's the rock. I know. The point is that now, okay, you're trying to make Becky Lynch edgy. You're trying to make her this cool tweener where she's a baby face even though she cuts heel promos all the time. Oh, but she's like, nope, just just, just don't reference her like some guy that wore a vest that called himself the toughest. She's not. By the way, that was that was about as big of a heel move that she did on Monday night as anything could be. Okay, so this entire feud with Natalia involves Natalia thinking she can beat her in a wrestling match and Natty basically making fun of everything about her that isn't wrestling. Becky, you mean. Becky that's that's what I meant. Yeah. No, I got you. And I'm supposed to cheer for Becky Lynch. Why? They were chanting Becky, Becky, Becky. Okay. It was, it was stupid. Again, if you want something to have an impact, there are more creative ways. Look, they have an entire fleet of writers that can't write anything that isn't just sloppy, that isn't just... Well, let's just say this because it'll get a pop because we haven't said it in 15 years. Okay. I don't need that on my wrestling. I don't need that term in my wrestling anymore. I don't. Right. And there's only a couple of people on the roster that can even pull it off anyways. Brock Lesnar is one of those guys. There are creative ways to insult people other than using that type of language. If I'm in the minority, that's fine. Me? And again, I said I would only I was only going to say it once. That's the only time I will say it. That term is not something I need in my wrestling anymore. Because guess what? It's a slippery slope. Because then I can start calling people even more derogatory names. And then we get back into the Attitude Era, which I know everybody loves the Attitude Era. And I love parts of the Attitude Era. But after a while, it just basically just got to be just... Let's throw something on a wall and see what kind of reaction we get because it's different and it's edgy. Right. And I just don't like it. And again, it's hard for me to take things seriously 
when I'm supposed to cheer for certain people and I'm supposed to boo other people and yet they have the reverse psychology. And that's part of it. And it's, again, I'm not saying the men are really doing this or it's just the women. I'm just saying from what I'm seeing, it's mostly been the women. Oh, and that also goes that also goes along the lines of, hey, let's just throw up a middle finger on TV just to do it. Or let's have Corey Graves cuss on TV just to do it. How about you actually do it tactfully and do it in a way to where it doesn't feel forced? Remember all this talk about, you know, forced nostalgia and shoving things down our throat. This, this is, well, we're getting away from PG and we've got this brand new thing in October and we're really going to make our product edgier. So let's just shove it all down your throat. That way, when we go full bore, you'll be used to it because it's already shoved down your throat. It's just, what's the word I'm looking for? It's contrived. Well, yeah, I think one of the things that you had said a couple of weeks ago was just, you know, go slowly into it. I think that was part of what you were trying to say. It's just, it's not good. That's my three for the week. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I dropped the B word on this podcast. I was reprimanded for it immediately after the show. Because uh, that, that was also the second time I've dropped. Okay, such- for the record, <laughs> I prefaced in saying that I was only referencing what they said on their television, not my words. Oh, no, 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 that's not, I'm, I'm sorry, Ross, you must have misunderstood what I was trying to say. I was trying to say that I said that. And you will get reprimanded again if you say it on this show. I'm not going to, I'm just saying, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, uh, I, you know, oh, J-Man dropped that word a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Well, you know, we had a long discussion after the show ended. Also, not the first time I've dropped such language. You can thank Scott Steiner for that. That's not the point. My three count is, let me tell you about something, okay? For those of you who don't know what the best storyline in WWE currently is, it just so happens to be Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. And there is not a doubt in my mind that most wrestling fans, including the guy in the Undisputed Era shirt that's sitting across from me, agrees with me. This is the best told storyline in WWE currently for a multitude of reasons. Because the reality that is in this makes it much better than it should be. Uh, The quality of the two performers, regardless of what some of us may think of the WWE champion, makes this better. And the fact that you have... One of the greatest wrestlers of not just this last generation, but of any generation, is evolved and is performing at an incredibly high level. You take all those things and you mix it up into one thing and you get gold. Am I saying that Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton's going to steal the show at SummerSlam? No, no, I'm not saying that. But what I am telling you is that if there's anything... Remember last year... Uh, um, you know what, by the way, shout out to us. Because in about three weeks, we celebrate one year of the Double Turn podcast. Get in there. We're here. We're not leaving. You're welcome. Uh, we started our podcast one week after SummerSlam. And um, we talked about, I mean, me personally, one of the biggest storylines at SummerSlam was Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Why? Because there was so so much reality being bled into it and the quality of Daniel Bryan's performances, the quality of The Miz's performances. Da- Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston reeks of all that in a great way. And I'm all for it. And the co- the promo that Randy cut 
on SmackDown this past Tuesday, and he referenced the stupid, stupid, stupid. Let me tell you something, Ross. That was gold. Absolute, utter, pure gold. I cannot wait to see these two men duke it out at SummerSlam. This match is not going to main event. You know who's going to main event. It's going to be Brock and Seth. Guess what? I don't have a problem with that. It's the biggest storyline going on in WWE today. But the best storyline belongs to Randy Orton and to Kofi Kingston. And it's going to go down at SummerSlam. I'm looking forward to this match. Kudos to both men for just doing wonders with this storyline right now. I love it. That is our three count. What a... What a memorable one it was. We both kind of, uh, not a soapbox, but actually, I feel like I've been more negative on those, and you've been a little more positive. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that uh, I went slightly positive. I loved it. And I'm not saying you were overly negative. I'm saying that there was something that you were passionate about that you wanted to rail against. So yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. All right. Uh, I've been told, uh, I'm sorry, I have to do it this way because it's funny. I've been told that the labeling of the next segment was uh, not efficient enough. So I've been Not told that this that this new segment is called the Triple Threat. I wanted to make it more wrestling related. That's since, all. Since match segment show of the week is not wrestling enough. No, no, the- no, no. That's not what I'm saying. But it was just like <laughs> match segment show of the week. So this you're saying it's be- boring? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Hell yeah, I'm saying it's boring. Right. Now you can go ahead and say I- the Triple Threat. I- yeah. I wasn't going to say the three way because it freaking sounds like we're having an orgy. So there you go. That's not where my mind was going. So. Oh, we could be having a three-way dance. I don't know. That's not the point. The question is, was it hefty, hefty, hefty? <laughs> I still I still can't get over that uh, Braun Strowman ad. By the way, uh, because it's now become a joke on the show, can we please push Braun Strowman immediately? <laughs> <laughs> Who was who, who was he? He was in a segment. He cu- oh, he cut off Maria Canales. Yes. Yeah, he was, and then he just stayed quiet because she was like, "Are you really gonna pit a pregnant woman?" Shut up, Maria. By the way, neither of us referenced the twenty four seven shenanigans in which Maria Canales is now the pregnant twenty four seven champion. Okay, let me go onto my Instagram really quick. I really don't think we need to talk about it, but since that was brought up. All I know is that that's now become a running joke until it happens. Can we please push Braun Strowman <laughs> as a world champion? Oh, my gosh. I'll go saying. ahead and have you start with your match. All right. Week. It is the triple threat match segment show of the week. I uh, guarantee you this is going back to match segment show of the week next week, uh, look, which irritates the, the hell out of me. To it's be the triple threat. I will say that my favorite uh, WrestleMania main event was a triple threat. So there you go. Maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll just remind myself that this is the uh, Benoit HBK you boy Triple H part of the show. So there you go. What part isn't my my boy Triple H part of the show? To be do honest, do you have a do you have a golden shovel over there? You gonna you gonna bury me six feet under after this show? I would never do that to you. I don't I don't know. You're not maybe, worth getting gold gold shovel for. Maybe you want to be the creative director of the show too. I don't There's know. There's no need for that. Okay. I'm so already. You're, I'm so already you're saying the show's already in good hands. The show's been in great hands since you and I started the damn show, Ross. Gosh just, darn it. I'm just saying, uh, we've we've literally been doing this show for a year. He yeah. texts me, uh, we need to change the name of a segment. I was having a conversation. My brother-in-law works in sales and marketing for a beer company. He's been asking me what you're trying to do, what we're trying to do to make the show better. And I was like, oh, well, we're doing these great things. And he was just kind of giving me some ideas. I was like, oh, you know what? We should maybe change the segment of Match Magnet's show of the week. Are we... 
Are we going to have are we gonna have a sponsorship uh, from uh, from a beer company then? I don't know if they're wrestling fans. If they were, yes. That's hurtful. Tell that, you what. Don't tell me. Tell, tell that to Sierra Nevada. Let's let's get a sponsor and maybe I'll make it full time. Just saying. Okay, real quick. Triple threat, my so, match of the week. Okay, I was gonna say the Maria thing, but don't worry about it. I'll oh. just say it in my I'll just say it later. No, no, actually, no. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. okay. Yep, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say since so this is the glorious heel on Instagram. I sent this to Ross earlier today. They put this great thing saying, Since Maria Canales is the first ever pregnant twenty four seven champion in WWE history, does that mean that when Maria lies down on her back and a ref is present, is the baby the new twenty four seven champion? Gold. Absolute gold. That All is right. a legitimate question. Um, arguably one of the stupider storylines they've done with the 24-7 <laughs> title, and that's saying a lot. Oh, my gosh. I saw something having to do with Drake Maverick and Renee Michelle, who is his wife, earlier today. I meant to send it to you. I forgot. I'll talk to you about it off air. Go ahead. All right. Part one of the triple threat. Match of the week. I was so tempted, so tempted to put Drake Maverick versus Mike Kanellis from 205 Live. I was so tempted because it actually told a really good story about Drake Maverick basically overcoming the odds and beating the guy that was trying to get a title shot because he's not a wrestler in with that character. He's Even though he's a trained wrestler, he's not a wrestler as that character. Uh, great story. Loved it. The triple threat tag match on Raw, which... The Uso shouldn't have been in. I agree. It was also great. Uh, but you absolutely called it with what my match of the week is because I never get to see him on TV. Plus, I'm daily becoming a bigger and bigger fan of the uh, performer I'm about to talk about. Pete Dunne versus Roderick Strong from NXT was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay? Everybody knows on the show, it's my boy, Pete Dunne. This man could hold every belt all at once, and I would love it. That's all I'm going to say. Roderick Strong is a guy that, yes, he is good at his craft. He's actually very good at his craft, but he was kind of lost as a character for a while, and then he joined this little group called Undisputed Era. Never heard of him. Never heard of him, I know. It also helped that uh, Bobby Fish got hurt and they needed a third guy and then it just kind of worked out with the four of them because now that there's three sets of belts, right. it works that the group has four people. So it just kind of worked out all the way around. It would have weird if uh, Roderick Strong would have been the women's champion. Although him and I guarantee you him and Shayna Baszler can go. Well, yeah. Shayna Baszler can go with any of the dudes in NXT. Exactly. So uh, Roderick Strong has always been able to go, but he now has direction. Mm-hmm. When it comes to his promos, when it comes to his style in the ring has changed a little bit. I don't know for those of you that have watched Roderick Strong, even from his Ring of Honor days to now. I mean, it's still his same basic moveset. It just, now that he's got some direction with his character, which is amazing what happens when you just give a character a path. It's amazing. You know what I love about Roderick Strong is the fact that even though he's a heel, he still is has a pretty fast pace um, in-ring demeanor. And yet, he can be slow and methodical when he needs to be. Yes, he can. Because he's in the biggest heel faction on the brand. That's how it is. So, when you pair a guy who's really good in the ring with a direction and a character that matters with 
the best product they've had out of their UK brand, who's unbelievable, who has one of the most devastating submission finishers that doesn't look like he's really doing anything, but would hurt like hell if it was actually put on you. The match was amazing. And of course it's NXT, so it was given time. There was great pacing. It told a good story. These two have history, by the way, because who did Roderick Strong turn on to join the Undisputed Era? Pete Pete Dunne. Yep. So it makes all the sense in the world that this would be my match of the and, week. And, and at the end of the at the end of the match, Velveteen Dream came out, and he also got stuck in that submission against uh, against Pete Dunne. Um, so yeah, there's dude. I love your pick. I love your pick. By the way, there was a a very interesting thing that I noticed in the in that match, it, and and this just goes back to the history that Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne have. So you talked about the submission where he goes ahead and uh, pulls to the the four fingers apart on your hand. Roddy taped three of his fingers together so he wouldn't get stuck in that move. That's freaking brilliant, dude. I mean, he still got stuck in the move, but it's brilliant. It's little nuances like that when it comes to things in a wrestling match that go unnoticed until you want them to be noticed, and yet... Mauro Ronaldo. Ah, so good. Yes. So, again, when you take little things in amongst the big picture of the match amazing so yes you were dead on making pinning trying to pin me in a corner to pick this match of course i was going to pick this match stupid ross how dumb do you think i am Uh, apparently pretty dumb sometimes yes i'll admit that fine whatever it's all good at least i admitted it um listen let me tell you something there was a lot of great matches on wwe television one of them was the one that you just talked about it was fantastic drake maverick versus mike canales on 205 live was absolutely fire uh the triple threat tag team match on monday night raw was absolutely fire um let me tell you something um heck (laughs) kevin owens and drew mcintyre on smackdown was really really good but i'm gonna be honest with you roswell I like Kofi Kingston. I do. I always have. I always will. I like like him as part of the New Day. I love Jamaican Kofi Kingston. Um, and then there's a particular man who works for this company who is a champion of the United States. It's the phenomenal one. And he's not just the phenomenal one. He's not just the main event. He's not just the United States champion. He's not the he's not just the the architect the not I shouldn't say the architect because that's Seth Rollins, but you know what I'm saying. He's not just the construction worker because he built houses that are blue. It's he's also the most important thing that you need to be in professional wrestling, Ross. And you know what that is? It's the best wrestler on this earth. So when you take the best wrestler on this earth and you pair him up against the WWE champion who was putting in the work of a lifetime for himself, what do you get when those te- when those two things come together? I'll tell you what you get. You get the match of the week. Kofi Kingston versus AJ Styles as the ma- the main event of SmackDown. And by the way, it wasn't just Kofi and AJ. <sighs> Let me tell you something. We always joke around and we get annoyed sometimes by the things that the New Day do. But there's nothing more intense than when X and Biggie are ready to go, and then you match that up with the fact that Biggie, with I'm sorry, with that Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are always ready to go, and we already know the history of the New Day versus the Good Brothers, and it's just like, 
you know, just somebody needed to go ahead and throw the match into the into the gasoline, and you know that thing was about to set off immediately. And guess what? It did. It was a great match. It was a great overall segment because the New Day and the and and the Good Brothers were going at it too. They were chirping at each other all match long. It was great overall. And Kofi looked like a million bucks. AJ obviously is the best wrestler on the planet. Um, great match. Although I love your pick of Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. I I do. And the triple threat on Raw was fire. But it was Kofi and Big and AJ for me. All right. I I I told you offset that uh, I was going to have a hilarious segment of the week because I normally would never pick something like this given the people involved. Okay. My segment of the week is Brock Lesnar beating the hell out of Seth Rollins backstage. I'm not surprised at all, actually. So, for those of you that have already realized how much of a Braun Strowman fan I am, Braun Strowman doing this to a heel, that would be gold. Yes, it would. That would be hilarious. I would love it. Please give me that every single week. Because Braun Strowman's amazing. Unless it's Kevin Owens. Yes. So, when I was in the middle of watching the arsonist, Seth Rollins, <laughs> and uh, Big Bad Dolphy Z, <laughs> yes. I love that Dolph Ziggler came out to Shawn Michaels' music. Of course. By the way, I, I'm I, I'm sad that we're not getting Dolph Ziggler versus HBK. I'm pissed off about that, to be honest with you. You know what? If it means we get it at WrestleMania this year, it'll be worth it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> get in there, Roswell. Thank you for bringing my spirits back up. So, so if it means that we get it at WrestleMania, I'm okay with it not happening at SummerSlam. That's all I ask. I'm totally all right with that. I love because, the way you think. Because Shawn Michaels wrestling at WrestleMania makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. But not, he's got to put wrestling over. in Saudi Arabia. Wrestling at WrestleMania. But but he would need to put over Ziggler. Let's let's. Be oh honest. yeah, he better. Uh, I'm just okay. So when I see a match with Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, right? I normally absolutely despise matches that end in no contests or disqualifications or nonsense. Yeah, but these two can go with the, every time. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is one of the many reasons I'm choking. It's one of the many reasons why I think a lot of us love wrestling, okay? We like seeing people beating up other people. <laughs> and we particularly like it when, like, larger-than-life people beat the hell out of ordinary people. To now, be fair, I'm not Seth Rollins saying, is not ordinary. Now, no, but, okay, here's what I'm saying, though. Seth Rollins looks much more normal than Brock Lesnar does. <laughs> Seth Rollins looks much more normal than Braun Strowman does. Okay? Even at some level, and I could go through a list of guys that don't look like average Joe people. And again, I'm not saying Seth Rollins looks average. I'm saying if you saw Seth Rollins on the street, you would say, okay. He's a, he's a, he's a pretty okay, he's a pretty built dude. Yes. Yeah. You see Brock Lesnar walking down the street, you're like, that's a tank. <laughs> You see, you see Braun Strowman walking down the street. That is a guy holding a howitzer on top of a tank, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, you look at who's another big freak athlete. The Rock. The Rock. You see, so I was watching a YouTube video when they were going ahead. I think they were um, promoting either Jumanji or um, mm. Central Intelligence, and they were at the BBC, and they were doing a little segment where they have to go ahead and talk pl pl uh, playground trash. Uh -huh. And The Rock sitting in this chair across from Kevin Hart. Rock's about to explode the chair. Right. <laughs> and then Kevin Hart is just like sitting on this huge throne where he's basically just dangling his, his feet. He's so small compared to The Rock. 
The Rock is another huge, huge human. Well, I was just going to say, just in WWE in general, um, Bobby Lashley's a freak of nature. Uh, the Big Show? Oh, obviously. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm just talking about guys that are just big. It's fun watching the freaks of nature beat up the regular wrestlers. Oh. I'm just Han- telling you. Hanson, Eric from, for, Eric from sure. the, the Viking Raiders. Sure. Three, Mr. 305 Live. There you go. Animal, that man. It's always fun watching impromptu brawl. Oh, by the way, Roman Reigns is a pretty jacked dude. Samoa Joe? Yes. The point is, we like it when, even though it's a wrestling business, even though we know it's scripted, when you have something in which you are shown that somebody is beating the hell out of somebody backstage and it's towards a storyline and it's towards a point. And of course, you know, in the background, Paul Heyman's scheming. He's like, oh, we've got him right where we want him. All that was missing was uh, another, uh, you know, great long-winded uh, Paul Heyman promo where he ends oh, yes. with Brock Lesnar. Well, the crazy thing was that Brock Le- Paul Heyman was freaking out telling pa- Brock Lesnar sp- to stop. Well, he's part of the storyline. He, he said that on multiple occasions. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, stop beating up this guy. But then on the next week on TV, oh, we beat the hell out of him. <laughs> I know, it's scary. Like, Brock Lesnar shows up in front of the ambulance. I was like, oh, my God, he's... he's- Yes. How did he, you're, you've already killed him. What are you trying to do? Well, he's Brock Lesnar. I know. He, at that point, you might as well have f 5 Becky Lynch. In fact, I'm now convinced that the storyline needs to be that the belt is now speaking to him and <laughs> causing him to go mental. And somehow it's got like a piped in voice of either Paul Heyman or 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 like actual music from a boombox <laughs> that's sending him subliminal messages. You know, dun. Dun, 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 kill Seth Rollins right now. <laughs> something, you know, something stupid like that. That's my segment of the week. Brock Lesnar, who I despise, beating the hell out of the arsonist Seth Rollins. Man, it's shout out to Seth Rollins for uh, he took three F fives on the chair, and then took the F five on the uh, on the gurney. And by the way, he got pulled out of the ambulance, got yanked, and rolled like another eight feet. I mean, give credit where credit is due to that man. Yeah. Okay, again, just like I said that there was multiple matches of the week this week, there was also to me multiple great segments this week, one of them being that he, what you just mentioned, Brock Lesnar beating the snot out of Seth Rollins, um, KO's great promo on SmackDown, um, the awesome brawl to end Raw, even though that was, that was a little bit weird because you had Brock Lesnar beating the snot out of Seth Rollins and then immediately ending it with another fight like that. I found that very interesting. And then you also had the segment that ended SmackDown where there was a mystery person who went ahead and tried to attack Roman Reigns as he was getting ready to do his interview with Caleb Braxton. All that being said, my segment of the week has to go to Randy Orton's promo on Kofi Kingston, the the pre-tape stuff. I can't stress it enough. This is the best storyline going on in WWE today. Randy Orton's heel work is absolutely amazing. Kofi Kingston's babyface work is absolutely amazing to coincide with it. Their 10 years worth of history is perfect. The fact that they're referencing the stupid, stupid, stupid in the ring from 10 years ago was also awesome. Randy Orton is... I love Randy Orton. Randy Orton is the coolest dude in wrestling. He's the coolest dude outside of wrestling. He's out in the Maldives right now. He's recording videos saying things that are completely naughty. Have fun with your wife, my dude. Have fun with your wife. That's all I got to say. Randy Orton is my segment, segment of the week. 
Would you like to know what my show of the week is? I mean, again, I know you so well. Is it the one that starts with numbers? 205 Live is the show of the week. You just, you 205 apologists. All right. So let me, let me again tell you something right now. Uh, Drake Maverick and Mike Kanellis had a wonderful match. Yes, they did. Uh, Akira Tozawa and Brian Kendrick versus the Singh Brothers was unbelievable. Let's tell you just for a second. The Singh Brothers. Are awesome. Like, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> okay. The Singh Brothers are awesome. You love them more than I do. I'll never forget Randy Orton almost killing one of them and on accident, but shout out to them because they sold it like a million bucks. All right. Let me let me tell you something. On this show, yeah. I have told you, and I've told this audience several times, that if they just let the Singh Brothers wrestle. They're very good. I'm not saying they were underutilized with Jinder Mahal. And by the way, if they let Jinder Mahal wrestle. That too. But he's injured right now. The role was they were Jinder Mahal's lackeys. Right. They announced him coming out to the ring, and then one of them got badly hurt for a long time, and it was just one of them, and it was weird. Yeah. So I was like, okay, ACL, right? if they're not going to do anything with them and Jinder Mahal, just put them somewhere where they can wrestle every week. Well, 205 Live's roster is about a dozen people. Yeah, true that. By, oh, by the way, shout out to them putting Lucha House Party back on 205 Live because good. That's where they need to be. Because I don't need to see them on Raw wasting their time. I, I agree. I, I just don't. Lars Sullivan's hurt right now, so what are they going to do? Get destroyed by who now? Well, no. What I'm saying is that I can, I can see the three of them or two of them or whatever just wrestling great matches on 205 Live every week. By the way, I would pay big money to see a triple threat between Kalisto, Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado. I don't know if that's going to happen, oh, it never, but it, it would, would be good. It would be fire. So, and again, you go back to those two matches. Uh, Gulak, I love as the, as the I, I always call it the 205 champion. It's the cruiserweight champion. He cut a promo, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's that. And just, again, little things with 205 Live every week. Look, I try and find reasons to not pick it. Because there are weeks where NXT as a whole is great. There they they are had a we- solid show this week. There are weeks I want to pick Raw and SmackDown. There are weeks I want to pick them. But then I rewatch them and I'm like, oh gosh, this upset me. 205 Live rarely upsets me. If 205 Live does anything, there are times where they put on boring shows. There are times where they have matches that I've either seen a million times or they're two guys that either don't have great chemistry or I don't really care about. Right. But when you put together matches that I either care about or are good, or I can at least enjoy that part of it, it makes me escape from all the other nonsense for the rest of the week. And unfortunately, NXT has a really bad habit of giving me a match or a segment that I care absolutely nothing about. Which, I get it. No show's ever perfect. But there are just some, I just, so to me, when I go back to common denominator of simple, easy, one hour a week wrestling, it's hard for me to not pick 205 Live. And I'm picking it again as my show of the week, because if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it immediately. Push the Singh Brothers. (laughs) So that's Push, Push Braun Strowman, 
push the Singh Brothers. By the way, so Ross does the Singh Brothers dance or whatever. I've been telling him to do it to the ladies. Uh, here's to hoping that it works. I don't know if I could pull off the pink, though. I, I can pull off Fuchsia. We all Look, know this. Um, all I'm saying is, if you're going to pull it off, you need to have the Jeff Jarrett white pants. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, maybe I'll wear it to your wedding. There you go. Whenever you get married, I'll wear a pink shirt with white pants You and are white not shoes. wearing white pants to my wedding. What the hell? Why not? You get Absolutely married before not. Labor Day. That's Absolutely perfect. Not. There you go. There's one person at the wedding that is wearing white. Fair play. Exactly. Fair play. Fine. My show of the week was SmackDown. Get in there, Ross. You are the biggest SmackDown Live apologist I've ever met in my life. Ross, how can you go ahead and have the audacity to call me a SmackDown apologist when for the past six weeks you have picked 205 Live? Has it really been six weeks in Probably, a row? Probably. I don't it think feels it has like, been. Okay, fine. It's been like four weeks. Like Every week I'm here. And if every you don't week, watch 205 Live, you're missing it. Like, I get it. I know I'm missing out. That's why I'm watching it. It's great. You're right. But SmackDown is where it's at. Look, you like SmackDown because your boy Kofi Kingston's the champion on that show. It has nothing to do with Kofi it Kingston. It does have to do with that. For the major part of a year, the biggest thing about SmackDown that I love was Daniel frickin' Bryan. And guess what? Daniel Bryan's barely been on the show for the last three weeks. Okay? It's Kevin Owens. It's... Kofi Kingston, yes. AJ Styles was on the show this week. It was lovely. And then, you know what? Hey, I'm going to tell you this right now. Unlike you, I was hella pumped over the freaking Trish Stratus Charlotte promo this week. That was fire. And we didn't announce that we knew about Charlotte and Trish Stratus last week because we, weren't, because we don't like to report on speculation. But it has now been made official. Toronto, August 11th, Sunday, Scotiabank Arena. House of the NBA champion Toronto Raptors, Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair one-on-one for the first time ever. Holler at your boy. That should be fire. Anyways, all those things intertwined. The only thing I'm mad about from SmackDown this week is the fact that we were... Actually, we weren't promised. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville were promised a shot at the Iconics, and they got screwed over and not given the match. It was bull. Another thing that I liked about SmackDown this week was the fact that Bayley... Uh, repaid the favor to Ember Moon because Ember Moon hit her, hit her with Eclipse last week. So after the match, after she, they went ahead and, and lost to uh, Alexa Bliss and to Nikki Cross this week, you know, Bailey goes up to Ember Moon. She's like, "Hey, it's okay." And bada boom, Bailey to Belly. And I was like, "Get in there, Bailey. Show her how it's done. Don't let Ember Moon push you around, punk you like that from last week." It's the things that I like on my television set, Roswell. It's things like that. It's consistency. And SmackDown is the land of opportunity as well as consistency 85% of the time. Oh, SmackDown. I love SmackDown. I yearn for the days where you're actually good every week. I know. I yearn for the return of everything that was that made SmackDown great during the, during the Ruthless Aggression era. Kurt Angle. No. John I, Cena. It actually wasn't that long ago when SmackDown was basically great every That's week. That's true. It was 2016, actually, when they, when they actually, did the brand it was, split. Actually, it was uh, coincidentally right before Kofi Kingston became the champion. Ross, I hate you so much right now. Can we do top five supers? By the way, do you know who the champions of SmackDown were? The world champions of SmackDown before Kofi Kingston? Yes, I do. The world champion before Kofi Kingston was Daniel Bryan. And before Daniel Bryan? AJ Styles. I rest my case. Okay, I understand your plea. I understand it. And before that, it was your boy, Jinder Mahal. Don't hinder the gender, baby. Look, all I'm saying is better days were behind that show. 
That's all I'm saying. That is our inaugural triple threat for the week. It's match segment show of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's no. going to be back to its normal name oh, no. week. I know it will it's be. It's the triple threat. Soon to be sponsored. Hopefully, the yeah, show can know. get sponsored. We can get more than six listeners a week. All That'd right. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I appreciate all six of you. Hey. It is more than six. It is. You know what? Yeah, I know. Screw you, Anchor. I'm still waiting for the email from iTunes. Okay. It's top five time. It's top five time, baby. Top five. Top five. I don't have a jingle. I love me some top five. All right. I'm cutting your mic off from singing right there. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Top five greatest performers of SummerSlam. I will tell you. That uh, this list, well, it didn't take me very long. I'm going to be honest because there were some people that were automatically disqualified for me. One, because they have a losing record at this event. Two, uh, because uh, relevance-wise, I, I just didn't see it. Okay. I also told J-Man, and I'm uh, keeping a staunch stance on this, for top fives, no honorable mentions. I'm forcing you to pick five. It's a cop-out to have honorable mentions. That's right. Keep them in your head. Or tell me off tell me off the air. <laughs> That's all. You have five. Five picks. That's it. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I've I've been going first the whole show. You want me to just keep that up too? Yeah, what the hell? Why not? All right. Now, uh greatest performers ever. We did not specify decade. No, we did not. Which means that we could go back to the beginning of time we wanted to go all the way back to 1988 yes we can yes well that's pretty much the beginning of time for some people so uh, uh, just I, I think what, you were like a year and a half in 1988 <laughs> weren't you no in uh, like in 1988 uh depending on when in 1990 in 1988 well, august 1988 you were three uh yes because my birthday is at the end of this month that's correct so which uh, we will celebrate in style only if i get the rick flair treatment uh i'm not rich bro I didn't say rich. I just said I want to be adored by lots of people, preferably in suits and lots of expensive clothing. Hey, dude, I'm down to wear a suit for your birthday. Okay. As long as it's not fuchsia, we're good. Todd, stop hating on the color fuchsia. Just tell me who your number five top SummerSlam is. All right. Is. My number <laughs> five performer of the greatest performers in SummerSlam history. See my I see fancy it. papers over I here? I sure do. Number five on my list is ya boy, Triple H. Ya boy. I love it. Uh, so, he's been in a lot of memorable matches in SummerSlam. Uh, I know one that was uh, one that people will never forget was the uh, street fight he had with HBK in 2002. He also has a winning record at SummerSlam. And yes, I had to make sure to go back for the last couple of uh, times SummerSlam has been around. Well, he hasn't wrestled at one recently, or at least not that recently. I think the last SummerSlam he actually performed at was 2012. That would be a while ago. Yeah, that was the Brock Lesnar match. So uh, he's been in a lot of main events, four. He's been in five title matches at SummerSlam. Yeah. He has a record of eight and five. And when you think of, well, here's the thing. Triple H is a big part of what is bringing this company to the future. Yes, very much so. Uh, not only, well, mostly behind the scenes now, mm -hmm. uh, but with NXT and with behind the scenes stuff with Raw and SmackDown and just in general, whether he's a character on TV or not. Um, 
I have to believe that a lot of the times when Triple H was wrestling, mm-hmm. he made it seem like SummerSlam was supposed to be a big deal, even if the company didn't treat it that way. That's fair. And he has my respect for doing that because I think he's always known, or at least he's known for a long time, that he was going to be entrenched in this business. I don't want to make a joke about how he married into the business, but he did. Um, And so with that, I feel like his emphasis in making certain things more important from a wrestling standpoint and making SummerSlam a bigger, more important event than it used to be treated. Yeah. Because it used to be a big deal, and then it wasn't, and now it is again. Absolutely. So – uh, I could go on and on about you know what he's done at SummerSlams and matches and all types of stuff, but just in general, what he's brought to make SummerSlam the event that it has become again and how his hands are kind of in everything and he has a rich history in the event with lots of different high-profile guys, lots of them Hall of Famers, including himself one day. Actually, he technically already is, he but is DX, I'm yeah. saying him himself. He's going to go into the wing to, into, yes. in by himself very soon, hopefully. So my number five, I realize that may be low for some people, but my number five is your boy, Triple H. You know my love for Triple H, right? Triple H is not in my top five. Like I said, I had a feeling that yeah. there would at least be one name or two names on this list that would not make your top five. And I love Triple H, and every every reason that you just mentioned is absolutely fantastic. It's just the five people that I have on my list. I just think of them a little bit more entrenched. The summer like if it was a, if this was the top five WrestleMania performers of all time, Triple H is definitely in there, no problem. Uh, my number five, I, I actually believe he's he's pretty low. But just because of the other four, I'm going to do it this way. Kurt Angle is my number five on my top five SummerSlam performers. Uh, I love Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is one of the greatest of all time. I can think of multiple matches that he has had, which, by the way, he actually hasn't had that many matches at SummerSlam, if you really think about it. Because remember, he left WWE in 2006 when he went to TNA, and he was gone for the, from the company for uh, 11 years, actually, um, which is a very, very long time when you really think about it. But... um. He had a classic with Eddie Guerrero in 2004. He had a classic with Brock Lesnar the year before that. Even though this match ended in a disqualification, him and Stone Cold stole the freaking show in 2001. He had a great match. Was it with, I believe it was with, was it Edge in 2002? Or was, no, I'm sorry, it was Ray. Ray Mysterio and him had a classic match at SummerSlam in 2002. Um, it, and in 2005, who did he have a match against in 2005? Uh, You're the historian on the show. Are you Are you going to make me look this up? No, I'll look it up. Give me one second. I will look it up. It, it wasn't that great of a match, that I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Kurt Angle faced Eugene. Yeah, exactly. In a no time limit match. <laughs> that's the only, that's the only <laughs> match I'll go ahead and say was. By but, the way, by the way, Eugene has high profile SummerSlam matches against him, him, him and, Triple and Triple H. Yes, that is That is, is amazing. Unbelievable. There are some people that can't say that they've had high profile matches against both those guys in their career. Let alone. And Eugene has had one with each. And where is Eugene right now? I have no idea actually. Um but yeah, no. Kurt Angle is uh one of the greats. He does have a winning record at SummerSlam. Um and yeah, so Kurt Angle, number 5 on my list. Kurt Angle is not on my list. Wow. It's amazing. That is very interesting. But mad respect because actually the thing is the Kurt Angle's WWE career is very bright, 
It was very fast. It was very short, yeah. He spent more time in TNA than he ever did in WWE. It's, in fact, there are some people that only know Kurt Angle as a... TNA? Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, he actually had a pretty decent TNA career. Oh, yeah. He's a, he was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Kurt Angle is the second ever TNA Hall of Famer. With the first one being Sting. Let's see. There's Sting. There's him. There's well, Jeff Jarrett. Bully there's Ray. the Dudleys. Oh, the, uh, the Dudleys. Oh, and Gail Kim. Yes, I believe Abyss went in. Good. So there AJ's you go. AJ's going to go in real soon too if WWE lets probably. him. Probably. Yeah. Probably. All right. Um, and Joe too. I had a very tough time putting this guy at number four. Okay. And yet, the other three people on this list are a little bit higher. Fair play. My number four on my greatest SummerSlam performers of all time. Had the most matches of anybody on my list and has had the longest career of anybody on this list. And it is The Undertaker. That a boy. Now, uh, The Undertaker had, count them, 14 SummerSlam matches. Wow. Five title matches, four main events. Um, when Paul Bearer turned on him in 1996, I know that was over 20 years ago. Yep. Um, now, I know what people are going to say. Well, he had a long stretch of matches that, like, meant nothing. I get it. Mm. Totally fair. However, um, when you have more matches than anybody else at this event, 14, and, and granted, this is the guy that had the streak at WrestleMania. Um, there's no really easy way to put this. Anything... The Undertaker is in, has meaning. Yes. Regardless if it's against, I don't know, Giant Gonzalez, who, by the way, he faced at WrestleMania. Yes, he did. But, like, he had a bunch of really weird tag matches and just a lot of just weird things go on at SummerSlam. But I will tell you. He also had some classics at, WrestleMania, at SummerSlam as well. He did. So, now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Was there a Hell in a Cell match that he had with Edge at yes, SummerSlam? That was the main event of SummerSlam 2008. There you go. Um, there's also the uh, there's also the hilarious SummerSlam match with him and Brock Lesnar. Um. <laughs> you say it's hilarious. I think it's fantastic. Okay, that is not okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's not the match where Brock laughed and Undertaker no, no, no. sat up and laughed. That is the match. Okay, that is so the match. So then the match where he punched Brock in the balls. That's that's the other match. I'm sorry, punch Brock in the balls? What do you yeah. Mean? Remember, he punched him in the balls no, and then rolled the him up? Match. Same match. Okay. That's the same match. Because See, remember, he, everything's rolling together. I got you. Yeah. So, Hell's Gate, uh-huh. Brock flips him off. Yes. And the, the, the Brock never tapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charles Robinson called for the bell. But he passed out. Um, But then, even during Ruthless... Even during Ruthless Aggression. Him and Randy had a couple... Him and a Randy. match at SummerSlam. Um... People actually forget that he actually had a pretty entertaining match with JBL in 2004. He beat the snot out of JBL in 2004. He did. The w- and he didn't, that match ended in a no contest, too, but it was great. Uh, he won multiple tag team titles at this event as well. Yes, him and, oh, remember, 1997, him and Bret Hart with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee was Indeed. fire. Indeed. Again, I could, again, this may seem low to some people. However... Just given everything that went across, even though there was a little bit of a lull where there were some really weird matches, 
history's behind him. I put him at number four of my greatest SummerSlam performers of all time. Roswell, I, I love your pick of The Undertaker. Once again, The Undertaker's not on my top five. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? You know what? I'm not surprised because there's a name that's staring me in the face that I know is on your list. So go ahead. My number four actually is Hulk Hogan. That does not surprise me because even though you are not a fan of the man, you cannot overlook the man as a wrestler. Thank you. Uh, first of all, over the last year and a half, I have slowly been starting to get back into liking Hulk Hogan, but as many people, I didn't like him for a very long time for a multitude of reasons, not because of the backstage politics, because I get the backstage politics, but because, of course, the racial remarks, but I'm starting to go ahead and get slowly back into Hulk Hogan, and I can appreciate because he's apologized to everybody. That being said, you can't mention Hulk Hogan without mentioning SummerSlam. You just can't. SummerSlam was built around Hulk Hogan for six consecutive years. Regardless if the matches may have been garbage, he was still the main event of SummerSlam for basically six years straight. You can't not, like, oh, and then not to mention him and Shawn Michaels main event in 2005 in a okay match but it was still Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan like you can't oh and not to mention he actually he actually had a pretty decent match with Randy Orton the next year it, it wasn't bad at all for a guy who was like 50 plus um, actually he was almost 60 he was like mid 50s or something like that and he goes in the ring with Randy Orton when Randy Orton was like 25 like shout out to Hulk Hogan like I ain't gonna knock that now Hulk Hogan was the epitome of SummerSlam very 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 long time and there's no way he could not be on this list my number three on the greatest SummerSlam performers of all time has an undefeated record at SummerSlam he also has been in four main events none of them were title matches hold on for one second undefeated at SummerSlam that's correct and in four main events that's correct how did I overlook this? Who is it? Hulk Hogan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to go way, way back to go ahead and figure out that he's undefeated at Russell, at SummerSlam, but fair play. Okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. I was I, I, I now, thought I missed somebody. Now, here's what I will tell you. The last real memory that people have of Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam. Is the Shawn Michaels match. The overselling Shawn Michaels match. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. because they were supposed to do business. They only did one match, and HBK threw a fit on pay-per-view. He did. Unfortunately. And it was stupid. However, uh, when it comes to SummerSlam, um, it, it, he is linked forever. The uh, same way that Undertaker's linked to WrestleMania. With, of course, uh, ooh, yeah, oh, yeah Macho Man. And Ultimate Warrior, too. For sure. Uh, that, of course, they were called the Mega Powers. Yes. Uh, they beat Andre and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Um, they also, let's see, um, that was when Hogan and, uh, was it Beefcake? Yeah. Beat uh, Savage and Zeus. That was during the uh, promo for the movie. Um, yes. Uh, Zeus was uh, um, uh, Tiny Lester. Is that what it is? Yeah. What's the, what's the movie? I'm not thinking of it. Friday. No, the... The wrestling movie. Oh, uh, it'll come back to me. I'll look it up. Um, so, look, all I'm saying is that when it comes to Hulk Hogan, 
and the story about how just 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 everything. Like obviously there was stuff with Earthquake, there was stuff with the Ultimate Warrior, with the um the angle with Sergeant Slaughter where he became an Iraq sympathizer. That was at SummerSlam. Yeah. Oh, uh, no holds no barred. barred. Thank you. Um, when you think of SummerSlam and the history of it, you know, through the 80s, Hulk Hogan's all over that. Yeah. So Early 90s too, yeah. Indeed. So I realized it's kind of all over the place. I was just, I had a lot of thinking about that. So my point is Hulk Hogan is... On my list, everybody knows that I personally think uh, Hulk Hogan's the greatest uh, professional wrestler of all time because of what he uh, brought to the business. He helped mainstream the business, and even though he's not the most technically gifted, yeah, um, a lot he's- of people say that the greatest worker in the business uh, involves uh, if you make the most money. Absolutely, and Hulk Hogan's probably Steve made Austin more money than anybody record else. Saying Hulk Hogan is the greatest of all time. I just rewatched uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony and how he like gave him the cold shoulder. It was hilarious. They're so cool now. Uh, actually, I know. Hulk Hogan was actually a guest on the Steve Austin podcast on this week's episode. He was. Yeah. He or was. Last week's. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was last week because it was after Raw reunion. Well, also that was a very weird time because of the whole. It was just a weird time for they were Austin. Both- yeah. So, I, well, I mean, it was a weird time for both, but especially Austin because divorces, uh, domestic assault allegations. Plus, there was, you know, he was, he was probably roided up a little bit. Well, what I was going to say is that was not too long after his career had basically ended. Yeah. So I would say he was probably he was, not was, in the best in place. Yeah, 2002, 2003, that was rough for Austin. It's true. Right. And of, of course, uh, when was when was Hogan inducted? Oh, five. So that again, that was only a few years after. So he was probably still like, I could be wrestling, but I can't. Right. So that's my number three on my greatest SummerSlam performers of all time, Hulk Hogan. My number three is, uh, there's no other way to put this. My favorite wrestler of all time, The Rock, is my number three. Let me tell you about the great matches that he has had at SummerSlam. Number one. The iconic ladder match against, say it for me, please. My boy, Triple H, I just can't do it the way you do it. Your boy, Triple H. Thank you for that. That that ladder match is amazing. 99, he had a match against, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Billy Gunn. He basically buried Billy Gunn that entire year, and that's, that's I mean, shout out to Billy Gunn. He's great. He's cool, but The Rock killed your career. Sorry. Move on. Uh, 2000. Uh, his match was against, it doesn't matter, 2001, he beat Booker T in the main event for the WCBW title, and then 2002, probably the most important thing that The Rock has ever done, and that is put over Brock Lesnar in the middle of the ring, clean, no questions asked, and... What did you guys do? What did we do? I didn't do this because I wasn't booing him. You guys were booing him. But you guys booed him. You guys forced him to go to Hollywood. And then when he came back, he turned heel, and he was amazing, and he was great. And then you guys started cheering him again because you're idiots. Or in the words of Daniel Bryan and Boss Ross, you're fickle. We're all fickle. You turned your back on You turned your back on Rock. At WrestleMania 18, because he chose to go ahead and root, root for Hulk Hogan. That's fine. You can do that. That's no big. That's no big deal. Hulk Hogan is the great. Is one of the greatest of all time. You want to root for Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania in his first WrestleMania in like 10 years? That's cool with me. But don't you dare turn your back on Rock when he's 
putting over Brock Lesnar. Don't you dare turn your back on Rock when he's having one of the all-time great triple threat matches with Kurt Angle and Undertaker. You sorry, sorry, sorry pieces of humans. The Rock, my number three SummerSlam performer because of the greatness that he has produced over the last few years. I was torn because I looked at these two guys that I hold in my hand. And I see some really iconic moments. Okay. And some equally iconic moments. Ooh, interesting. Who do we got? One is currently still wrestling. Okay. The other had to retire early. So. So. I'm not stupid. I know for a fact there in, has to be somebody on there that I know is on mine too. In my left hand is my number two pick, and oh. he's only my number two pick by a very slim margin. Okay. My number two pick. Ooh, I know. I know. Can I can Randall I Keith Orton. That's not who I thought it was going to be. Carry on. Although I love that pick. So, let me tell you a little story. Story time with Brass Rass. One of my favorite main events. Actually, you know what? I need to be smart about this. Let's make sure. I'm sorry for the stalling. I have to make sure I don't sound like a complete idiot. Yes. Okay, here we go. Let's start that again. One of my favorite main events, not only of SummerSlam history, but possibly ever, was Randy Orton beating Chris Benoit for the dub for the World Heavyweight Title. 2004. Yes. Uh, All-time great match. He became, at the time, the That's youngest World Heavyweight Champion. Still is. Still is. And that was the match that basically turned Randy Orton babyface. By the way, The Rock beat Triple H and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 2000, at SummerSlam 2000 in a triple threat match. There you go. Carry on. There you go. Uh, So he became the youngest world champion in 2004. Yep. Uh, He had another great match with The Undertaker. That was in 05. Yes. Uh, He was also part of the Elimination Chamber in 03. Yes. That happened at that event. Uh, Even though... We laugh at it now. Uh, was 09 the good match with Cena? I thought both of them were kind of good, Okay. Actually. I know a lot of their matches kind of get lost because they wrestled each other like 87 times. Um, but Him and Hogan, obviously in 06. Yes. Uh, even though it ended in a disqualification, I want to say he and Sheamus had a pretty decent brawl. Yes. Uh, I believe one of the matches with Christian happened at a Your SummerSlam. Match. Uh, yes. Yeah, because it was the street fight in 2011. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, oh, here's another moment for you. He technically didn't wrestle. Uh, I'm sorry. He technically wrestled at the show, but he cashed in at SummerSlam on Daniel Bryan, which was the whole authority, and that helped all that, too. So, uh, and then of course, uh, did he also not lose to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam? He lost to Roman Reigns. That's when, he, and then in SummerSlam 2016, he got busted open by by Brock. Yes. So we just listed all of these memorable things. And again, I feel bad that I was kind of disjointed on some of my other picks. It's okay. But with Randy Orton, as I said, it's very slim because I have all these iconic moments. It's one of my favorite main events of SummerSlam history. Yes. And yet, this other guy over here, I look at and I go, "Wow." If Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, this guy that I hold in my right hand is Mr. SummerSlam, and he's my number one. I'm looking forward to knowing And it's who the it is. only reason why Randall Keith Orton is number two on my list of the greatest SummerSlam performers of all time. Fair play. I'm looking forward to knowing who your number one is because my number two is Brock Lesnar. 
Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I forgot to put this in there. Randy Orton has competed at 12 SummerSlam matches. Nice. And uh, he's competing at this one. That will make 13. Yep. So he's getting pretty close up there with The Undertaker sure when it comes is. to most SummerSlams ever. I, I apologize. A... Okay. Brock Lesnar's next on your list. All good, all good. And I actually made the comparison last week that Randy Orton is The Undertaker to John Cena's Rock at this moment in time, which is, I think, a pretty fair comparison. Rock, Ross actually kind of ad- agreed with me. Um, because he kind of knows the context that I'm saying. But back to my number two, yes, my number two is Brock Lesnar. Listen, we can say all we want about how much we hate Brock Lesnar sometimes and how much he pisses us off. Let's not forget about the fact that in 2002, he was the next big thing. Actually, take scratch that. He was the big thing, period, bar none. Rock put him over clean as a whistle at SummerSlam in 2002 in a great match, mind you. It wasn't a good match. That was a great match. Rock made him look like a million bucks. And guess what? Brock make Brock made Rock look like a million bucks. That match was fire. Two thousand and three, he he. I can't believe I I saw this, but he tapped out to the ankle lock, uh, to Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle defended his WWE Championship in a very very good quality match in two thousand and three. And then you go ahead and have to go all the way up until two thousand and twelve, because that's when he made his return to WWE. Because obviously he went to go play football. Then he performing in JPW for a little bit and then he was obviously in the UFC where he dominated for like three years um, and he comes back in 2012 and his second ever match being back was the Triple H match which was okay but in 2013 as I stated last week CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar happened classic 2014 as you stated the John Cena beatdown that was absolutely undeniably classic 2015 the undertaker match which is fire 2016 he almost kills randy orton 2017 the fantastic fatal four way with roman and with joe and with stroman 2018 roman finally beats him in a quality brawl and then here we are 2019 he's about to have probably what i would consider an absolute it'll be awesome in some way shape or form him and seth rollins in in a week from or so from now brock lesnar's SummerSlam resume cannot be denied it is awesome it is a great resume um brock lesnar is my number two best SummerSlam performer all right i'm gonna do this backwards because i actually want the reveal to be the reveal okay my number one on my list has eight wins two losses four title matches, and three main events. This man competed in the first ever TLC match in 2000. He was, uh, I, I believe he actually debuted at a SummerSlam in 1998. He also has had memorable matches with a tag team partner that was mentioned earlier on this list in a member that I mentioned not too long ago. He also has had memorable matches at this event with Lance Storm, mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. Batista, Matt Hardy, Undertaker, and John Cena. Get in there, Rosswell. Um, again, I prefaced this before. And by the way, it it just so happens to be that SummerSlam is taking place in his hometown. Yes. Thank you. Look at that. Us double turn podcast bringing journalism and history together. If this if 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 HBK is Mr. WrestleMania, this man as of this moment is Mr. SummerSlam. He also happens to have one of the coolest nicknames and was part of one of the coolest tag teams of the past decade. Yep. The Rated R Superstar Edge. Love it. Or as Tony Chimmel would say, the Rated, Rated R Superstar. 
Superstar, which, by the way, I love how whenever he comes back, they bring Chimmel back just to do it. I know. It's fantastic. It's amazing. By the way, Edge's record at WrestleMania is also stout. People forget about that. He was actually undefeated uh, when he had the match, the classic match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 24. People don't know that. He was at him and Undertaker. It was undefeated streak versus undefeated streak. It was. Yeah. It sure was. Um, so, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention because he's wrestled Matt Hardy. He wrestled the Hardys and the Dudleys, of course. Yeah, and that incredible the the first TLC match, which Everybody was which, which is one match, which is almost twenty years old. Yes, it is. So. For all of that said, by the way, his tag team partner was Christian. I know I prefaced that, but I was just listing everything else. All those guys I mentioned are either great workers yep. or either Edge made them look good or they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Like all of them. Yep. There you go. Uh, so I think the SummerSlam 2006 match with Cena was actually incredibly underrated. So, I okay, what was the match where Cena won the title back where he put him through like 17 tables? It was the TLC match one month after SummerSlam. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, was that Unforgiven? It was Unforgiven also that in, was Toronto. in Toronto. Yeah, okay. Toronto. Shout out to Toronto. So, um, by the way, everybody thinks that uh, John Cena and CM Punk had a great feud. And by the way, they're not wrong. No, they're not. They're not wrong at all. No, but. However, if you are, if you are, if you are making me choose, if you are making me choose what the better feud was. It's the Edge feud. It's John Cena and Edge. Okay. It is. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and make a very controversial statement. and I've, I've said it multiple times in my life. I'm going to say it on this podcast because I don't think I've ever said it before. John Cena and Edge was Ruthless Aggression's answer to Rock Cena. I don't care what anybody says. I know we talk about let's not compare people to Rock. Let's not compare people to, Rock, to Stone Cold. I'm sorry, did I say Rock Cena? That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say Rock Stone Cold. Excuse me. Cena and Edge is Ruthless Aggression's Stone Cold and Rock. It's just a fact. Carry on, sir. <laughs> That's it. That's what I got. Basically, There's no I've, other words to describe it. I've said, I've said everything that I'm going to say that... Uh, I'm I'm actually very shocked at how different our lists are. However, I have a feeling that he's your number one. So go ahead. Edge is my number one performer in in he's the greatest performer uh in SummerSlam history. So actually, now that I'm gonna tell you my number one, basically what I'm seeing here is the only person we agree with is, is Hulk Hogan. Because John Cena is my number one on my list. And I know you you prefaced that you're Top five SummerSlam performers had to have a winning record. You say that Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, correct? I do. Did you know that Shawn Michaels has a losing record at WrestleMania? I do. Okay. So John Cena, I believe, has a losing record at SummerSlam as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but let's just go into – let's dive deep into John Cena's career for a second. Uh, 2004 – he had a quality match with Booker T for the U.S. title, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 2005, obviously, is when the main event s started. He had a great match with Chris Jericho. 2006, we just prefaced it by saying John Cena and Edge was fire. 2007, him and Randy Orton. 2008, uh, I want to say... Oh, Batista. Him and Batista was fire. 2009, him and Randy Orton again. 2010, 
Team WWE versus Team Nexus, which we talked about at length last week. By the way, Edge was in that match too. Sure was. Sure was. Edge was also the, the Edge and Jericho were also the people that told John Cena to uh, change the finish back to what it was supposed to be. Was I'm okay. sorry, that's a tangent. Go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but it's nonetheless, he was in that match. 2011, the greatness that was CM Punk and John Cena Part Two. Number 2012, the triple threat with CM Punk and Show. 2013, him and Daniel Bryan, which is fire. 2014, him and Brock Lesnar. We already know what that's all about. 2015, him and Rollins, fire. 2016, the greatest match in SummerSlam history, him and Styles. 2017, Corbin's in the doghouse, but still him and Corbin. And then 2018, he did not compete, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, John Cena did not compete at SummerSlam 2018. You know what list? You know what kind of list that is? Hefty, hefty, hefty. 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 Just saying. <laughs> no, but the the stretch of 2011 to 2016 is some of the greatest matches, not just of John Cena's career, but some of the best matches we've ever seen at SummerSlam. Period. It's really good. It's strong it as all can be. And I get it. You know, it's uh, he lost every single match that I'm stating. Losing record. Losing record. But I realize Sean, that I realize yeah. that may be a dumb reason to keep him off the it's list. Okay. But when I think of greatest performers, I can't think like when I think of John Cena being successful. Yeah. SummerSlam is not the event I think of it at. That's fair, but at, but at the same time, Shawn Michaels wasn't very successful at WrestleMania either. WrestleMania, That's true. He so he won the WrestleMania 2000 in uh, not 2012 WrestleMania 12 when he beat Bret Hart in the 60 minute Iron Man match. He lost to Stone Cold at 14. He then came back at 19. He beat Jericho, but then he lost in the Triple Threat at 20. Lost to Angle at 21. Beat McMahon at 22. Lost to Cena at 23. Uh. Beat Ric Flair at 24, lost to Taker at 25 and 26, um, and that was it. All those matches, and then I think he had, oh, he lost to Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. Um, I don't think that he won at WrestleMania 13, not 100% sure, that's really, really out there. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I do. And it's valid. It's just, it. It, it was just one of those things where I literally looked at my list and I said, does he make it in over the likes of Triple H, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, and the two guys I have at the top of my list, Orton and Edge? And I said, no. That's fine. Our That's lists it. were vastly different. That hasn't happened in a long time. All right, so... As I prefaced... Although uh, last, week, last, week's different, last week's list was also pretty different, too. So just a quick recap, Triple H, Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Randy Orton, and Edge. That's 5-1 to one for top SummerSlam performers for WWE. Your list? Uh, Kurt, Angle, Hulk, excuse me, Kurt Angle, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Brock Lesnar, and John Cena. It's quite a list. Sure is. I, I, like, I love you. your list, by the way. You have a great list over there. It, again, that's, that's why I've made it a point for us to not talk about our lists until we get to the show that way again i'm not saying it affects what we do but it does affect actually what it we has do. yes it has uh i said we were going to do this before top five so we'll do a quick recap very quickly of the updated SummerSlam card because the card or the pay-per-view is a week from this sunday yes so um we have brock lesnar versus seth mm-hmm. for the universal title we have becky lynch and natalia for the raw women's title we have Bailey and Ember Moon for the SmackDown Women's title. We have Kofi and Orton for the WWE Championship. 
We have AJ and Ricochet for the U.S. title. We have Trish and Charlotte. Trish and Charlotte, as I say that. Uh, Finn versus Bray. I would love for this to be Fiend versus Demon, because if you're ever going to have the Demon lose, this is the way to do it. Absolutely. That's what I would do. I'm not saying they're going to do that, because I have a feeling they're going to have Finn lose and have Demon come back and beat Bray. Right, which we'll see. But the Fiend, the Fiend is who's, let's clarify that, the Fiend is who is wrestling at SummerSlam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, KO versus Shane. KO loses. He quits because, yeah. you know, we all know that quitting wrestling companies is a great stipulation yeah. that they always back out on like a week later. John Cena, Owens and Zayn, pretty much every time anybody's ever quit ever in a stipulation unless it's a retirement match. And even that's not followed. And then uh, it was supposed to be Dolph Ziggler and The Miz, but that has changed. We really don't know who the match is going to be. There is speculation it may be Goldberg. That is correct. And then also, there is major, major, major speculation. I'm so excited about this. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. <sighs> Roman Reigns. I have one problem with it. I mentioned it to you before, and yes. I will say it again. Yes. Roman Reigns is going to get booed. You're, 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 which is why they is valid. absolutely need to not do it. True. But from a wrestling standpoint. No, I'm not saying it's not going to be good wrestling. I'm yeah. saying... If you are trying to portray Daniel Bryan as this great heel and, and Roman Reigns as a babyface, you're do going it in to Toronto. No, of course not. No, stupid, stupid place to do it. No, of yeah. course not. And by the way, I do love the fact that Roman Reigns is getting cheered more. Yes, I do too. I hate love the it. fact that it took cancer to do it. Yes, I say that with yeah. a straight face. Unfortunately, no, because know. that's that's unfortunately he got, the he truth. got a huge pop in Little Rock on on Raw Monday night. And now, by the way, that that brawl was fire. Cedric Alexander jumping off a freaking Titan Tron. Holla at your boy. That was dope. All right, I'm wrapping the show Let's because, up, uh, well, we've gone even longer than I thought. Yeah, and plus, she's texting. I got to go. I know. I love you, my queen. So, next week's show, guess what type of show it is? Preview show. Double up. It's We're a preview up. and prediction show for two shows. Two baby. shows. Dropping two shows on Friday. We have NXT TakeOver Toronto. We'll do a preview and prediction show for that. Then we will have a preview and prediction show for SummerSlam. Then what we will do is on Sunday, we will do our review show of NXT TakeOver Toronto. Then we will watch the pay-per-view. Then we will do our review show of SummerSlam. Yep. It's going to be that kind of show. WrestleMania so, 35 all over again. So it may just be me for part of this. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but it may be me for part of it. Potentially. Okay. I don't. I, I mean, nah. I don't know. We'll see. Let's. We'll, we'll get through the week. We'll see how it goes. So uh, that will be next week's show. So there will be two episodes next week that drops. I look to retain Actually, my four, four episodes when you really think about right, it. Right, but yeah. I'm saying but two yeah. will be dropped on Friday yes. and two will be dropped on Monday. Correct. There you go. Uh, so I hope to retain my 66 to 65 lead because we've been very close for a while. Now you took the lead for one pay-per-view. I promptly took it back. And of course, now we have two pay-per-views, so it should be fun. Thank you, Drew McIntyre. Indeed. Actually, I just thank Samoa Joe because you picked him like four times and he gave me a cushion. So (laughs) (laughs) that's going to do it for this week's edition of the double turn podcast. For the J-Man, I'm Boss Ross. We will catch you on the flip side.